What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Dr. Funk Podcast. Thank you guys so much for subscribing on iTunes, on Stitcher, and now on Spotify. Today, we're going to be talking about Purple Playgrounds, the Academy of Prince, with Heidi Bader and Willie Adams. And right now, I'd like you to welcome Heidi and Willie. How's it going, guys? Hey. Good. So, uh, the... The purple, excuse me, with the Academy of Prince and the Purple Playground, how did this all come to be? Well, um, it started. It, it started germinating in our minds shortly after Prince's passing, um, because we just wanted to do something to bring fans back together, make people happy again, and celebrate Prince. And it took about a year, and then we figured out we would do Purple Playground. Right. And, Willie, uh, you work with kids, correct? Yeah, so I'm a teacher, and i um, been an educator for many years. And, um, yeah, um, when I met Heidi, she just wanted to do something, you know, to honor Prince's legacy and sort of build upon you know, a lot of the philanthropy that he did, he was, as you know, a strong advocate for um, music education, especially for youth. And so we wanted to carry on that sort of torch and sort of go down that lane. Um, I think there are many ways to honor his legacy. And I salute everybody who, you know, uh, wants to, you know, donate time or, you know, energy to honoring Prince, but uh, we all don't have to do the same thing. So, I think the best thing for me to do was go build on my strengths, which is, you know, again, working with kids and being an educator, partnering with Heidi and Purple Playground. She wanted to just like sort of do fundraisers and give money to music education programs. And I was like, well, why don't we start our own program? And then that was sort of the brainchild. And it's just been growing from there. Now, you guys have uh, some classes coming up shortly or the new semester. What is it? We have a two-week summer music program that starts a week from Monday on August 5th. And we do the first week at Urban Ventures in Minneapolis. And then we do the second week at High School for Recording Arts in St. Paul. So they get to get the full Twin Cities music scene. Uh, Urban Ventures is actually right in the central neighborhood where Prince grew up and went to school. And um, High School for Recording Arts was founded by T.C. Ellis, who used to rap with Prince. Very cool. Now, yeah. do you guys going to have, I believe you had it last year as well, do you guys going to have any special guests with the kids that you can tell us about? No, they're all secret. No, yeah, we can. We can. <laughs> okay. That's cool. What you, you guys know. like? Have you can't know. <laughs> uh, well, we've, we've got... Um, Andrea Swenson's coming this year. She came last year as well. Um, this year, she's going to speak about um, women in music and the women that Prince influenced and how he was an advocate for them and their music over the years. So I'm excited for that. She's only done that presentation once before, so this will be her second time. And most of the kids at Academy of Prince happen to be female, so it'll be really empowering for them. So she's coming. Um, we also have John Bream, who's somewhat of a Prince expert, coming. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> <No. laughs> um, we have Jellybean Johnson and Paul Peterson coming together on the same day, so that'll be a lot yeah. of fun. That's the so time awesome. and the family yeah. the reunion. <laughs> a little bit. Awesome. That's really incredible. Now, mm-hmm. I saw some clips from last year's program and whatnot. Like, what was the main thing that really surprised you about the kids' interest and stuff that maybe you weren't expecting? Really? Um, I think the biggest surprise was that, um, you know, how quickly they gravitated toward the music. Like, it, it didn't take a whole lot of having to sell it that is cool. Like, I mean, literally from, you know, the first time we played Housequake, the kids are up dancing and feeling feeling the music. So um, I think what really it didn't really surprise me, but it, it was just really refreshing to know that, you know, this music that Prince created is just so timeless and so universal that, you know, kids, all you got to do really is expose them to it and they'll be inspired. So I think that was a big highlight for me. Right. I just look at those things and just getting the kids involved. And it's such a smart and wonderful idea that right now is kind of being missed on by a few things. And I'm glad that you were able to come up with that idea. I'm sure there's been a a few bumps in the road with the estate, right? Oh, barely, barely at all. Um, Yeah, no, they've been pretty supportive. Um, you know, they asked us a a few little things and, um, we quickly agreed that was fine. Um, so that's been nice. I mean, it's not like they've been doing anything special for us or anything, but, um, they haven't been in our way. Uh, one, one thing when the, when we first started the day that the parents brought the kids in, the parents were almost more excited than the kids when they came. (laughs) It was really kind of fun. Yeah, you're right. And, um, and so, you know, it, it was, it was really cool when the kids were so into it and they just, just jumped right in, totally jumped in. And they were so positive with each other from the very start. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. And the reason I want to make sure that people know that because sometimes, you know, people are the worried where their money is going to and if the estate is cool with certain things. So I want to get that clarity out there early on things. Right. Yeah, the, the little teeny things like calling it Academy of Prince instead of Prince Academy, you know. And so we were just like, oh, sure, you know. But it makes it and sound then, even better. Yeah. So it kind of helped everything, in my opinion, anyway. So I, I think it sounds better that way, too. <laughs> I really do, too. AOP. Yeah. Kind of rings. PPAOP. But, um, yeah, there was there wasn't any issues really with the estate, uh, which has been actually uh, also very refreshing. You know, um, the guidelines that they set are pretty clear, and if you follow them, you can, and, and you're respectful, you can do what you need to do. So, was able to teach and not feel uh, restrained by anything. Like, and um, but I think the most important thing about Academy of Prince is not really what the kids sort of learn about Prince, but it's the music that they create. Um, because really what I'm teaching them is Prince's work ethic. Like, you know, be creative, you know, there are songs all around you. Songs are more important than just entertainment. You know, they're really important part of our lives. So like 
really instilling that into the kids and then giving them an opportunity to go into their own imaginations and be inspired by Prince and create something totally new is really exciting. And last year we only had a week. And again, it's, it's amazing what we were able to do literally in five days, <laughs> Heidi and I were able to meet these kids, introduce them to Prince and have them all write four original tunes by Friday to present to a group of people. That's like unheard of, you know? So again, but it was all done in that spirit of Prince where, you know, the mute, nothing's more important than the music. And really instilling that work ethic into the, into the students is really what Academy of Prince is about. Yeah, and we really had a great sound engineer, too. He really um, put his touch on those songs at the end and got them to sound much better. Oh, also, and a little help from um, Bobby Z and Matt Fink and Jelly Bean on those songs, too. Just a little. Just a little bit. <laughs> How awesome is that, that they're getting to create with these people? these kids now you said last year the classes were about a week how long are they this year so we upped it to two weeks this year so we have one full week in minneapolis um with the organization urban ventures is which is right in the neighborhood where prince grew up and i believe prince um secretly um supported that organization and helped them get started am, am i wrong heidi or I, uh, I no he paid for uh to finish the recording studio there okay so we're going to be using that recording studio <laughs> that he helped yeah um that's pretty awesome mm-hmm. he also yeah. helped at uh, high school for recording arts too so they're very close to him mm-hmm. right so the idea would be week one we'll, we'll do all the work and sort of pre-production at urban ventures and use that studio. And then week two, we'll go over to the high school of recording arts, which has a really big studio and really make the songs come alive. And we'll, that's when St. I'm uh, yeah. St. Paul. And when jelly bean will come and, you know, give them feedback and hopefully play on their songs as well. So that's the vision. No, they, they will. They, they plan to. Okay, cool. This is just... We're also doing a first Avenue tour. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's we're cool. um, they're um, taking us on a tour, and um, and then we're gonna have lunch in the depot, and so um, that's gonna be really cool. And then we're all gonna walk back to Urban Ventures together and do Prince trivia all the way back. <laughs> oh boy! Hopefully, Prince trivia won't be like I have this recording. Yeah, this recording. It'll be uh, more fun. Oh no, we're not that way. Good. <laughs> <laughs> now. It's just amazing to me because, you know, the whole thing is, is people keep talking about Prince's legacy and how we need to do this and how we need to do that. And then you guys like opening it up to get the kids involved and to introduce them to the music. Like, that's so smart, you know, and I wish that other people were doing it, but I love your idea and I love how much you're saying the kids have such enthusiasm about it, you know? Right. Well, Go, oh, go ahead, Heidi. Well, and I was going to say, you know, last year we truly ended up with the Rainbow Children, too, which was, <laughs> it, it, and, and it wasn't designed there that way exactly. But, I mean, we had black, white, Asian, straight, gay, trans. I mean, it was incredible how it was just Rainbow Children, and they were all accepting of each other, and it was like the way the world should be. It was, it was just it was heartwarming 
Yeah. Now, the ages of the kids, what did they range from that you had? 13 to 16. 13 to 16. Okay. Mm-hmm. So nothing nothing too young. Because when you're hearing about housequake or other stuff, you know, you just want to make sure that the curse words or whatnot or other stuff. That's all. <sighs> Right. We right. didn't show them purple rain. We showed them um, sign of the times because we thought that was just the perfect movie to show them in any way. Um, yeah. So we do have to kind of um, tread lightly there and um, focus on his more ma- material that's more positive and less risque. Right. Even though we were listening to it when we were their age. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And compared to a lot of the popular music that's out now, I mean, even some of Prince's most, you know, explicit records are kind of really light to the stuff that's really being funneled to them now through pop music. So, um, that's true. And I'm really also trying to teach them like, Hey, there are certain Prince made songs that were appropriate for adults. And he made some that were appropriate for everybody. And when you're Mm -hmm. an adult, you can choose if you want to listen to this type of music or not. But right now we're just going to focus on the music that was, uh, that's appropriate for everybody. And that's just kind of the way that that I approach it. So, and, um, the parents, you know, respect that approach and because it is tricky. I mean, he has some songs, you know, that are, really inappropriate and not or, 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 um, appropriate for kids. Um, so how do you sort of, you know, navigate that as, 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 as a program where we're serving kids who are 13 to 16, you know, it's, 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 it's a bit tricky sometimes. Right. And some of these kids, you know, with between 13 and 16, this, you know, there could be their first introduction to Prince and stuff like that. I'm curious with both of you, what were your introductions to Prince and his music and how you became the fans that you were and the experiences that you had? Well, I'll start first because I'm older. No, <laughs> you're not. She's seasoned. Um, my introduction was um, from some friends of mine in high school and um, they had older siblings, and it was uh, during the Dirty Mind was the first album I brought, bought of Prince. I went to the record store that happens to be a mile from my house, and so um, Dirty Mind was my introduction to Prince. And I would play it on my boombox all the time. And yes, I would play it on my boombox in the uh, Catholic high school bus on the way to our softball <laughs> games. <laughs> I'm not going to say which song we would like to listen to the most, but. It was fun. So that was my introduction. And then it went on from there. Yeah. For me, I was, I was a little bit younger. So I had two older sisters, you know, who were were like seven and eight years apart. So when I'm like, you know, six, seven, eight, they're, you know, 13, 14. So, um, my introduction was, I want to be your lover. I remember that coming on the radio and my sister's sort of going nuts for it. And, and us just having the party in the back seat with this music and this beautiful voice, you know. And uh, I never forgot that song or that feeling. So, um, just as I got older, at that time I didn't know that was Prince. I just knew it was a great song. But as I got older, um, that was really the foundation that really started it for me. I mean that that feeling that I had that time connecting with my family, you know, 
just that beautiful song was really the introduction. And you know, they didn't play that in Minneapolis on the radio. Really? That's interesting. It was a huge hit in the Bay Area. Yeah. Well, Minneapolis was, yeah, there wasn't much of a market for that. That's crazy. So sad. Huge hit. Except on KMOJ. Right. At certain times. Now, Heidi, um, you know, we all were able to see Prince's charitable actions and whatnot. And I believe, I don't know, were you at the August 3rd, 1983 show that kind of debuted? Were you at that one? Yep. And of course, that went to charity as well, uh, but to a dance. Yeah. But see, like, things like this, like, they become integrated in your soul and whatnot. And then that's what may lead to the Purple Playground is other stuff like this that shows that you experienced, uh, you know, would be for charity or for other stuff. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that was your first show, but it was probably pretty close to it, right? Um, it was my third because it was my first time I was 19 and so it was the first time I could see him at First Avenue but I had seen him is that music playing? Yeah. Oops, sorry, that was me. Sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, um, my first time I saw him was at, in Milwaukee on the Triple Threat Tour because um, I was in school, in college there I was a freshman in college and then I got to see him three weeks later in Minneapolis when I was home for spring break in April. So it was March and April. And then I had to wait till August to see him at First Avenue. And it was the hottest night of the year. It was crazy <laughs> hot. And it was a $20 ticket. So, like, only none of my friends would go with me. So I ended up going with some random guy. <laughs> and um, But I don't remember him. But I remember the show. That's crazy. It just, you know, we would see this stuff like during the emancipation era where like he brought in, you know, kids to check out Paisley Park and give them parkas and stuff like that. Like I do see that Paisley Park has been like having um, kids into it. I hopefully, you know, that'll be able to happen to where eventually in time they'll be able to kind of maybe record there or do other stuff. I'm curious, like with the kids, do they... Um, you said that they're going to be recording and stuff with St. Paul and whatnot. Like, um, do they play their own instruments or how does that come to be? Uh, some of them come in um, with some musical experience or knowledge. Mm -hmm. um, I think most of the kids did. And a lot of the kids that we work with um, also had a musical theater background. So they were able to sort of tap into those two energies and again the kids are fearless so if i say write a song and here's the structure that i want it to be and they'll do it you know they're not sort of like adults where you know we get freaked out so um they just wanted to make music but most of them did uh come in with some you know some musical you know background well and it was a requirement that they could either sing or play an instrument and um um, like 90% of them sung and only a few played instruments. So um, we did get really lucky that um, the musicians from the time and the revolution agreed to play with them too. Yeah. We kind of needed them this time. <laughs> yeah. And it was really cool though. Cause I, I don't know that they've ever recorded before together. Those three. Wow. Oh yeah. You're right. I, I, you're right. I don't think they had ever 
done that before either. It's kind of historic. Now, what are some other things that you would like to see uh, that'll happen with Purple Playground and the Academy of Prince that you'd like to see come to fruition long-term over the years? Well, originally we thought really big. Um, we, we were talking about taking it all over the country mm-hmm. and that's still something that we would possibly want to do in the future. And we're talking with other places about that. Um, but we started, we decided to start small so that we could figure it out and figure out how it worked and what worked and what didn't work. And before we tried to go any bigger, plus we need to get more funding to go bigger. Um, but it was surprising how everything just came together so perfectly last year. <laughs> and right. the only thing that went wrong the whole week was the kids kept losing their flash drives <laughs> and their and their songwriting journals. So this year we got lanyards so they can wear them around their little necks. And then um, the plan is the first day when they check in, we're going to have them put their name on their songwriting journal and big fat markers so everybody can return it to them when they say, is that mine? Is that mine? <laughs> now, Heidi, this, this happens just so people know, and they should know that it happens in Minneapolis and uh, Willie, you're in the Bay Area of California, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. I'm in the Bay Area, yeah. It was important for us, and it, you got to realize, too, that Academy of Prince is, is just a baby. It's only one year, a one-year-old, so we need to grow the baby and make sure that we take care of it and not sort of rush things because we see a, a bigger picture. Like, it's something that Heidi and I are just being really thoughtful with and, and really careful. And it's better to just do things small and thoughtfully and effectively than to try to just go big really quick because you got a great idea or you're does, does that sort of make sense? But it was really important for, for me, even though that I I'm not from Minneapolis, that this program started in Minneapolis because that's Prince's home. And it was the inspiration for so much of his music, like, and it was inspiration for me and for us to do this. It was just really important that it starts there. But yeah, she's right. You know, I would love to take it to Los Angeles and to all the major cities. I think every kid should be exposed to the curriculum and should be exposed to Prince's music. Um, I think, um, we should treat it as a national treasure the same way we treat the music of Louis Armstrong Duke Ellington or all those great composers and artists, we have to make sure that Prince is held up to that level and that standard. And the only way to do it is to, to teach it. And I think what Heidi and I are doing now, we're planting seeds. We probably won't know really what the impact of an Academy of Prince will be, but I know for sure that we are inspiring kids with, with this work and the more kids that we can inspire over the years, I think the better. That's very- and I think they can go on to be leaders too. Uh, you know, they, I saw kids change in one week, you know, kids would come in timid. A few of those kids came in timid, not most of them, but a few of them came in timid and they gained confidence in just a couple of days. And then we did continue to see them. We had some winter workshops in December and um, we would take them to Timberwolves games. We went to Prince night. We went to a couple Timberwolves games. 
Um, and then, so we continue to see the kids, which is really wonderful to keep that relationship going. And there's some of the kids from last year coming again this year. They're going to be mentors for the new kids and on and on. That's incredible. And that you guys keep the connection going and everything else that's going on. And then how you're wanting it to grow and how you're wanting it to be experienced, you know, and we see stuff, at least for me, when I'm looking at stuff with you guys with uh, Karen Ryan and Violet and stuff like that, I just think it's Mm -hmm. important that everyone is included, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And, um, I just really appreciate us having a format to, and like a place like this, this format you're providing for us to, to talk about the work, because I think you can look at what Heidi and I are trying to do and make all kinds of assumptions about, you know, what's really behind it. But hopefully by hearing us, you see that it's really coming from a pure place. We love Prince. Like (laughs) we do, you know, we just want to, share that with the next generation. So right. now there have been, have there been any, I wouldn't say roadblocks, but some people maybe not understanding where your guys are coming from your message. And they were kind of hesitant, you know, not that we know of, uh, we've right. got such passionate supporters. Um, there's, I mean, there's only like, about 1999, um, <laughs> I think that's about where we are, um, on, in our Facebook group. But there are such passionate, diehard supporters there who will do anything and and um, just come to our rescue when we need things and offer us, you know, encouragement all the time um, and come into town. And, um, you know, they'll do things like we'll do a... a Amazon charity list and then because we want to do give books to every kid who comes and so they'll donate books and they'll donate the songwriting journals and they'll donate materials that we need to help keep the costs down um, you know there could be somebody out there but there hasn't been anything really I mean besides you know I mean we'd love Paisley Park to open up to us to take the kids there and that hasn't happened yet but but again, like I said, we're we're new. We've only we've only had one pilot year, so we'll we'll keep pushing. And I think if we stay positive and we stay true to our mission, um, all kinds of doors are going to open up for us. I believe that because um, I really, really hope that they get involved. I think it's so important for those kids to see Paisley Park and what he did there and the experience and. I hope that they get involved uh, going forward um, because I think it would just, it help out everyone. And it's all about the legacy and these kids and the future, you know, just letting them see it and let them be a part of it and just absorb the information and the energy that would, that comes from Paisley Park. Right. You know, in the first year we, we were going to take them to Paisley Park and then, um, when it, when we were only doing it for a week, that would have taken a whole day plus the costs to rent a bus and pay for all those kids to get in was just too much of a chunk of our budget. And so we decided against it. Right. 
understandable. That's what I'm saying. That's why I would love for them to be involved because sometimes you can't put a price on things like that on their experience, you know, to have mm-hmm. them be a part of the, the tour and then to have, you know, a bus taken care of or have that donated. You know, that would, that, that's really big. And I think it's, uh, it's important. And I really hope in the future that they get involved and there's some, or there's some way to just make it happen because it, it needs to happen. Plain and simple. Now, how would, for people that are listening, and we're going to have links on the podcast itself, where can they go to donate or to get updates on things that are going on, you know? Uh, well, there's um, purpleplayground.org is our website. Mm-hmm. And you can find tons of stuff on the website. You, um, there's a video that we made of um, the whole school last year that really shows what it's all about. Um, there's also links to the music they wrote. There's a give button where you can donate. Um, there's pictures of everything. There's a lot of info on there. And then if you do uh, Twitter, you can follow us on uh, at purpleplayg. Um, and on Facebook, there's a Purple Playground Facebook group. You should join that. It's a public group, so you can see it without joining if you don't want to join. But um, that's where the most um, pertinent daily information will be going on on our Facebook group. And we try to keep that. It's a little different than a lot of Prince Facebook pages, groups. Um, the group is where we get most of the action. Um, in that we try to keep things as focused on Purple Playground and the mission of Purple Playground. So, you know, if you want to make a post about music education, that kind of stuff, that's going to go there. But if you just want to show a picture of Prince, um, those don't usually go up on there. Because you can see those all over the place. Right. That's good. You know, just that you guys have the information there and you have it to where you're going to have it straight up. It's going to be the information that they need. No pictures of prints, no no little jams, but this is what it goes on is for the future and for these other things that are going on. Mm-hmm. Now, Willie, um, you know, you also DJ and do stuff like that as well. So you sometimes will surprise someone that, you know, That'll be the first time knowing a certain song is Prince or turning them on to it. Have you had experiences mm-hmm. like that to where you turn someone on to Prince and were able to make someone become a fan or whatnot? You mean you mean as a DJ? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, all the time. And like that happens all the time. Um, I think secretly all DJs who are Prince fans, that's kind of our mission is to is to try to convert people. <laughs> So, um, like that's my mission point, too. <laughs> that's your mission too, right? <laughs> so, yeah. actually, um, a lot in the '90s, I was doing that. I was really um, because you know, like in the in the early '90s when Prince was doing the Exodus stuff, he was experimenting with hip hop and like with rap, and I was mixing that with with you know the the rap at the time. And people were like, "That's Prince? That's no, nah, that ain't Prince." Like you know, just losing it. So. Um, Throughout his career, I, I kind of felt that was my job as the DJ. Is like, okay, whatever Prince has out now, I got to figure out how to make it relevant to what's contemporary at the time. Like, always kind of keeping him. Now, I just felt like that was my job as a DJ. So, it happened. It happened a lot. You know, it happened a lot. So, up until like 
the last album. Like I'll I'll play songs like Big City or uh, Gold Standard, and people will like that's Prince. It's like yeah, it just came. <laughs> this is like what he's been doing. So mm-hmm. and yeah, it happens a lot. Like, do some voice oh. work for. Go ahead, Heidi. Oh, I was gonna say I I want to plug our Open Streets thing while we're talking about DJs. Yeah. Um, Minneapolis has these things called open streets where they close off the streets and it's open to people to walk and bike. And there's all sorts of stands and we're going to have a tent at open streets, Northeast Minneapolis on Sunday, August 4th. It's going to be the kickoff for this year's Academy of Prince. And we've got three DJs. We've got, um, DJ, uh, Michael Holtz who, um, DJed at Paisley park and still does sometimes. And who's been, our go-to supportive DJ from my very first party that we had a couple of years ago at the um, mural in Chanhassen. Um, so he's DJing. And then Danny Siegelman, who's a um, local DJ and um, on the radio too. And he's a writer and he's just an all around great guy. And then also DJ Spooky Calavera. Have you heard of him? Hmm. I never heard of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that's Willie's. That's Willie's gnome de plume. Yeah, so I'll be there as well. So I love playing with these guys. Um, they're all awesome. What's really cool, Funkinberry, uh, is like, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I love how different DJs from different regions of the country how they approach, you know, Prince's music. Like the way Questlove mixes is very different than the way like Linka mixes or the way that I mix. Or the way, you know, so just depending on sort of where you grew up and how you learned to DJ, it's just really interesting how everybody has their unique approach. And uh, it would be great one day to just get all the DJs together and just like kind of have a powwow about that, you know, like how we approach the music. Yeah. And of course the kids are going to be there on on that day too. See, that's going to be incredible just to see them dance and just have a good time and live loose. When it comes to Questlove. It always seems like Questlove is wanting to teach you something. Wanting to teach you where he needs he to. Comes he needs to get on board with, with what we're doing. I would love to work with him uh, with is this. A great guy. I can see that happening in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I would love that. I, I love and respect him so much, man. And he's. And when I used to DJ, uh, like I DJ one time in the Bay Area, and the energy <laughs> is just so far different than LA. And I love LA. You know, I want I want LA to be as funky as the Bay. You know, I always look at it like that. I didn't want to go to the Bay to party. I wanted um, the party to be there in LA, but it's just different. And I think it's just because we're spoiled with stuff. But it's like when Prince was here. Sometimes when I came to LA. You needed Prince to party in the Bay. You just needed his music. And remember, like DJing on the on the, on the turntable, and then it was held up by chains. The table itself. And the place was rocking so hard at 26 mix. Like the thing was just swinging. I'm trying to DJ. Sounds just going to go, you know? Um, now, Willie, you did um, like voiceover work for Emancipation, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. How, how did that come to be? Well, um, I did college radio. Uh, hmm. I went to UC Irvine. I actually went to college with uh, Angie, Angela Leska. Um, hey, Bump Squad. Yeah. We were uh, college mates. Yeah. And uh, was on the radio. Uh, after college, I actually uh, lived in London for a spell. 
And that's right when Emancipation came out. And um, through the radio station, I got a voice agent in London. And he's like, dude, I can get you work all day. You know, if you want to do radio commercials, I, I always need somebody with a, an American accent, especially like a urban. That was the, <laughs> the term they were using for black, you know, urban, <laughs> you know, accent. You, you know, I can get you work. I was like, OK, well, great. So um, didn't think anything of it. The guy calls me like two days later. He's like, I, I got an assignment for you. Come on down here. So I go down to the office and um, it's EMI Records. And the first gig is Emancipation. Like you're, you're, you're doing uh, the radio adverts for uh, Emancipation. So wow. uh, the first single was Bet You By Golly Wow. So I did that and it was blasting like all over the, the um, you know, Radio One and Tower Records. It was crazy. <laughs> and um, I just felt so honored to, you know, just kind of in a small way help him because that was a really important project for him. It, it really needed to be successful. So, right. And it, and it was, so I, I felt really good to be a part of that. That's amazing. Now let's talk about like your connections to Prince and I'd be with both of you. You guys have had um, a few experiences to share. Heidi, as much as you bike, you may not have gotten that bike ride with Prince, but you've had a lot of, amazing experiences when it comes to Prince at First Avenue at Paisley Park. Can you share a few of your stories? Um, sure. I mean, can you- we won't be like the Spreecast days, but we can, we can get into it. <laughs> <laughs> the Spreecast. Well, the very first time I went out to Paisley Park, um, and I didn't go um, in the mid-90s because... Um, I had babies and there was no internet and I wasn't cool enough then. Um, I wasn't cool enough. (laughs) But so it was late nineties and my coworkers like, Hey, they're having a party at Paisley park. And we're like, okay. So we went out there and they're like, okay, if he's going to play the guitar, I'll be on stage. And if he's not, it won't be. So the guitar wasn't on stage. But there was a DJ playing and we were all dancing and it was great music and it was free. And I'm like, this is super cool because it was after the bars were closed and we didn't want to stop dancing. And then I looked over and I saw Prince kind of over in a corner with a few um, bodyguards around him and no one was talking to him. And I was like, well, that's so sad. Somebody should talk to him. He shouldn't stand there. Nobody talking to him. So I just went over to him and I just went, thank you so much for having us here. And I stuck my hand out to shake his hand and he was silent and he looked at my hand and he looked at me and he smiled and he shook my hand and that was it. (laughs) So afterwards I was like, Prince called. He said, you're welcome. But that was a fun one. Um, and yeah, so that, so then I didn't get back out to Paisley Park for a like, like, oh, till 2003. And when he did um, musicology and he did three shows at the civic center, I think it was. Excel. Was that still the civic center? Excel. It was Excel by then. They, they tore down the civic center three at Excel. And then he did a three, three after shows. Um, yeah. and, I went to five of those shows because I thought six is too much. Um, five was just right. Six would have been overkill, <laughs> right? Um, right, yeah. And and the sh- the after shows were so different because he like played every night, but 
one night he just did the thing where he gets on the keyboards and then he gets every single person in there pretty much up on stage dancing. So if you're not on stage dancing, you can't see him ever. And I was like, what the heck? Um, so that I didn't really like that. Um, but then another one, uh, was really great. And I remembered him playing dear Mr. Man and that. And, uh, Um, I think we're kind of losing Heidi. Oh no, Heidi, are you there? Well, let's try uh, for the time being until we get her back. Um, we'll. And, oh, oh, shoot! It's okay, Heidi. We're gonna take a little bit of a break to see if your internet connection gets better. But Willie, share okay. any uh, Prince experiences that you had, and we'll get back to you, Heidi, because I know you got more. Don't worry. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, any experiences oh, I was, that you had with Prince on it, shows any, or anything? Yeah, I was so lucky to have been able to see him, you know, a lot of shows, you know. Uh, he played a lot here in the Bay Area. Um, actually, you know, living down in Southern California for, like, you know, during the college years, I was able to see the, um, you know, Act the act 2 tour, you know, at the... Um, was the amphitheater there at Universal Amphitheater? Yeah. Like I got to see that. I got to see some really incredible shows. Um, Love Sexy 88 in Oakland, you know. Um, just was really blessed to, you know, all the way up to Third Eye Girl in, in San Francisco at this small little DNA lounge. So right. um, I feel really blessed to have been able to see him in many different um, atmospheres and arenas and different settings and um yeah i don't uh, they, they all are were really special to me really to be honest with you i mean as you know you've seen a lot of shows you can't probably say that one is special i never got to meet him um i did go to the very first celebration that they had in 2001 i believe 2000 <clears throat> in 2000 yeah um my first time ever you know going to minneapolis i went to that celebration and um he threw parties every night, but he never performed at Paisley Park. And I remember on the last night of the party, I was there and um, I turned around and he was standing like right behind me, um, just kind of checking out the vibe and everybody's dancing and just having a great time. And he was just really happy that, you know, everybody was enjoying themselves. And I was like, oh, this is my time to like say hello or something. Um, but then I turned around again and his mom was, was there and he saw his mom and they were just having this really sweet moment. It was just him and his mom. And I could tell he was just so happy, you know, that this thing that he had, you know, wanted to do had, you know, came off successfully. And so I didn't bother him. I just let him have that really sweet moment with his mom. And at that point, just realized my relationship to Prince is really to the music and to the art. Um, I wasn't really blessed to get to know him as a person, but um, yeah, I just, just remember that. That will always sort of resonate in my mind, just being able to see him have that time with his mom, which is really awesome. Yeah. And I don't know um, if you guys have been back inside Paisley since passing, but man, like this year, it was like twice. Like, I, I feel that touch like that I've had before. It's where it's him. And I turn around and there's no one within distance of me that could be touching me but I felt that touch it's just so weird it happens at least once a year and, and then this year it was twice uh, when I was mm-hmm. there um, just weird 
is all I can describe it. But his presence is still definitely there, no matter what people will say about Paisley Park. Um, now, Heidi, uh, more experiences that you've had? Because I know in the Third Eye Girl era, Um, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, I was at Celebration. I forgot all about Celebration, but, um, um, Third Eye Girl. Yes. Many times. Every time. Just about every time. <laughs> um, you know, we'd get the, t the tweet or the text and then you just rush the hell out there. And, um, a lot of times I was working and then I'd run home from work and then I'd get there and then he would wait till I'd get there and then he'd start playing. So <laughs> no, it was just <laughs> it happened to be good timing. Yeah. I, w I would remember that like the LA house parties that you'd have when he wasn't at Paisley for like the mm. 2000s. Like I'd make sure to get there like after midnight or whatnot. And then it, it, it would seem like literally as soon as I got there, I was able to check out the situation like literally five minutes later he's on stage and all these people have been waiting like for a long time, but it would just be yeah. always like the right time. <laughs> right. I remember in 2009 when he came back to Paisley park for the first time in a while. Mm -hmm. Um, and we got there at about 11 o'clock and I told my friends, I'm like, now we can just hang out and look around for a while. Cause he's not going to play for a long time. And it said that 11 on the thing, and he started playing at five after 11. I'm like, whoa, this is a different prince. Right. <laughs> so it was nice for a while when he didn't play that late, but it was also cool to be there till six in the morning. Yeah. Different experiences each time. And we've seen him like he can go from 11 PM till six in the morning and not play anything again. You know, I was fortunate enough to see one of his longest shows. It wasn't at a house party. It wasn't at Paisley. It was at the Hollywood Palladium which is like mm -hmm. history here. It doesn't have the history, the funk history, like say, um, crap, I'm forgetting the, the Fillmore in the Bay Area. Mm. Man, when you had the Fillmore mm. there, my first time experiencing it in 2001, when he's doing the Daisy Chain, I thought the floor was going to give in from that funk. Like, I just, I just felt like we were all going to fall. That funk was so deep. But when he did the mm. Palladium um, in 2014, yeah, it was his last time ever playing in LA. It was like his mm -hmm. longest show in U.S. history, at least recorded. I'm sure at Paisley mm -hmm. there was, you know, a private session for Salma Hayek or someone that probably lasted seven, eight hours. Or Kim Basinger can fill us in on that. I'm sure, you know. But mm -hmm. these experiences were just amazing, and his musicianship and so much stuff. I mean, you know, you can guys could be doing like ten years of the Academy of Prince. You probably need to scratch the surface of like right. his live ability or the songwriting or all these other things that entail it. And I think it's so important, uh, especially when we're when we're knowing that funding for schools for music education is getting cut. That you guys have something like this just for Prince. Yeah, there's so much material out there. It's like a, it's like a huge ocean full, and we just have to like get the little dolphins out of there that work mm -hmm. for us. <laughs> right. You just got to mine it and cultivate it. You're right. <clears throat> That's a good way to be that your, your classes will never get boring. And then oh, you know, no. you're going to have certain anniversary years and other stuff that can play into things 
with guests and whatnot. I think uh, it's it's a valuable thing that you guys are providing, and I really want the community to know it. I'm sure they know it now, but I want it to be even more get the exposure it deserves, and that's why I've been wanting to reach out to you guys to have you on for a while. And I'm glad I was able to get you on so we can just discuss it. And I would also love to have a follow up with you guys after the classes. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. We'll have yeah, some music absolutely. for you. Yeah, we'll have some music for you. We'll have some stories. Um, yeah, that would be awesome to, to come back and do a follow-up. Absolutely. It's just incredible. And, and in closing, um, is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you would love to share? Whether it's a print story and maybe Heidi did almost get to bike with him or um, mm. anything else going on that we want to make sure that, um, that we discuss. Um, no, I would just say let's just forward moving. Please keep an eye out on for Purple Playground and the Facebook page. I'll be posting, you know, during the Academy uh, updates as often as I can and try to do recaps and keep everybody uh, who supported us uh, informed. So just, you know, please keep an eye out uh, for that. And um, I would also say to um, just keep supporting the music the, in the best way that you can, you know, like there's no one right way to be a Prince fan. So, you know, um, just make sure you're, you're honoring and celebrating the music. And, and like you said, keeping the, everybody uses this term legacy, but, um, the best way to honor the legacy is to just keep, keep, keep the music alive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Willie. And I really, I, I told Prince I wouldn't tell everybody about all the bike rides. He did the red ribbon ride with me a couple times, but he was, um, he was dressed up differently. He was in costume. <laughs> right. You know, and I'm just glad because look, like his music has brought so many people together. Like, you know, Willie, I believe right. I met you like in a Bay Area cruise a couple of years ago. We talked for mm -hmm. a moment. And then with Heidi, I believe I met you in 2013 in Vegas. Like, he brought all of us together, whether we knew it or right. not. I'm sure there are some shows that we were at that we didn't even know each other at, you know, I'm sure it's just, it's amazing that we're all kind of in each other's lives and trying to do right by him. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so many wonderful people in this community and I yeah. just feel so lucky to be a part of it. And I, I don't think I ever would have thought when I was a 16 year old kid that I would be at this, this way in my life. You know, the, the whole thing about Purple Playground is like, I used to think I've always liked doing stuff like this. And I was like, well, maybe if I'm rich someday, I can do stuff like this. And then after he died, I'm like, why? I'll never be rich. And mm -hmm. I want to do this now. So I can do it now. There's no rules that say I can't do it now. And it, it's working. Yeah. And I was on the sideline going, yeah, Heidi, you could do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. There were people. I mean, I needed some cheering from people. And I needed the, the, uh, yeah. so Karen was, Karen Ryan was the one I was like, exactly. Karen, if I do it, I really want to do it. Will you be there with me? And she's still on our board. And yeah. she was like, yep, I'll be there. That's awesome. Now, how yeah. did you two get in contact? Willie, did you reach out to Heidi or Heidi, did you reach, reach out to Willie? How did that come to be? I think I met Heidi, um, because I, I wanted um, some tickets to see the revolution when they were at first Ave. 
this was like in September uh, when they were doing those sort of uh, those two shows and, and when Questlove was DJing and Heidi, you got me tickets. That's when we first met. And then um, the next day uh, there was a barbecue with some other uh, folks in Minneapolis and uh, Heidi invited me to the barbecue. And that's where I met Sarah star. Who's also going to be working with us uh, this summer. She does a fashion uh, workshop with the kids all about princess fashion. It's pretty awesome. And anyway, I have my DJ equipment, so I brought it out. And, you know, back then, my thing was always, I just wanted to DJ Prince's music, whether it's in the backyard or yeah. in the club. I didn't care. And, and I you were having you, a birthday. Well, you were asking me, it was before Prince died when you were contacting me, and you said, I want to do one of your parties. And I'm like, they're just in the backyard. And I was like, well, does he want me to pay them to DJ? Because it's just a couple of us in the backyard. <laughs> Let me my dream, you. my dream was to always DJ in Minneapolis, you know, whether it's in the backyard or first. Avenue, <laughs> I didn't care. That's awesome. So um, we, yeah, squad. We had like some par- our sometimes our biggest parties weren't in a club. It'd be in the nope. middle of July, not sex in the summer, but we'd have a, a barbecue in someone's house, a queue. We have Kirk Crucial on the ones and twos. Sometimes I have mm-hmm. the iPod, but. Those years weren't as funky when Kurt Crucial was doing that. We we're just DJ in the backyard, and that would be right. fun. So Heidi, <laughs> your backyard is the spot to be. You know. Well, and I have a pool now too, so it's even better. Uh oh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you are all invited. Nice. Well, with that, yeah. So, like, to have those DJ experiences and other stuff where you're introducing the music or playing it, you know. Heidi's backyard may be the spot to be to open up uh, people's eyes to the sound. That might be it. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you guys coming on and I'd like to have you on again, like I said, afterwards, and we're definitely gonna have you on in the future and get updates with you guys. Cause I just think that it's an important thing for the fans to get behind and to, to know about and to care about. Feel me? Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited for, I mean, it's, it's eight days away or nine, 10 days away. I'm really excited. Really excited. I know. And again, thanks for giving us a platform and a place to, to talk about our work and to celebrate Prince and, to, and for all the work that you're doing to, you know, get the information out to the fans. We really appreciate you too. So thank That's you. That's for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, guys, Purple Playground, the Academy of Prince. There's links in the podcast in order how you guys can help out. I want to thank, again, my guests, Heidi Vader and Willie Adams, DJ Spooky in the house. And, uh, hey. Yep. Much love, everyone. Till next time, keep it funky. Keep it funky, y'all. Peace. Yeah.